Amen. So I want to talk tonight about fathers and mothers with spiritual insight at the end of the age. And I'm not just talking about natural fathers and mothers. I'm talking about you, IHOP you student, as a father and a mother. I don't know if you knew this, but God is calling you to be a spiritual father and a mother. And you may not be functioning in that reality right now, but if you're not, he's preparing you to be a spiritual father or mother specifically at the end of the age. So what I'm going to do tonight is basically break down this powerful sentence that's highlighted in bold there with the notes, and hopefully by the end of it, you'll be encouraged and excited about what's happening. Letter A, first and foremost, we have to acknowledge that though you may not be a natural father or mother, you're called to function as a spiritual father or mother. You might be currently functioning as a spiritual father or mother, but if not, you're in preparation to be a godly spiritual father or mother. Your current natural circumstances do not disqualify you for being a spiritual father or mother. Also, being a spiritual father or mother doesn't give you a license to control and abuse people. So I'm not giving you a license today for you to say, I'm in charge, you're on timeout. Okay, you don't get to do that to anybody today. Look at the scripture from 1 Peter. Therefore, I urge elders among you as your fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and the one who is also a fellow partaker of the glory that's to be revealed Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under any compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not with greed, but with eagerness, nor yet as domineering over those assigned to your care, but by providing or proving to be examples to the flock. So that's our calling to be spiritual leaders, spiritual fathers and mothers. Letter B. Second, we need to understand that fathers and mothers' greatest influence takes place not in an instant on a giant platform. Every good father throughout history, they, they weren't a good father because they had a lot of people looking at them and had this entire huge influence. Their greatest influence was in the family home. It was in the dinners around the table. It was in the hanging out outside, playing catch with their son or spending the time to listen and talk to their children. It takes place over decades in the midst of mundane life. And so... For many of us, that might not be an appealing thing. We might be pursuing this huge platform where we feel like God's just going to give us the job of our dreams, the, the youth pastor job or whatever. And once that happens, then I can really step into my calling to be a father and a mother. But really right now in the midst of mundane life, you're called to be a spiritual father and a spiritual mother. Just because the calling to be a father or mother takes time and happens in the mundane does not mean it's uh, irrelevant. It means it's precious and valuable. And so what I've done is I've identified six biblical characteristics of godly fathers and mothers that'll help us parent well, both naturally and spiritually. So this isn't an exhaustive list. These are just six things the Lord highlighted to me this week. The first one is that fathers and mothers lay down their lives. Paul, as a spiritual father, was ready to lay down his life for his spiritual children. Good fathers and mothers lay down their lives for their kids. They surrender their time, schedule, and energy for the sake of love. And I remember, I have two kids. Most of you have met them. And I remember when we had Nash, he's our oldest, being in the hospital, not really understanding the implications of what it means to have a child. Mm -hmm. And once he came out and he was in the world, my life was over, in a sense. It was like everything that I do is in surrenderance to this little guy who can hardly, who can hardly see, hardly talk, anything. 
everything that I choose to do, my life is being laid down. It's crazy. As a father, some of you don't get this yet because you're not fathers or mothers, but as a father, it changes the way that I drive my car. It changes the way that I interact with people. It changes the time that I put gas. <laughs> you know, I'm driving, oh, it's too dark. I don't want to die in the middle of the night putting gas. Like, I, It just changes the way that you think. And maybe that's just me. But it changes who you are. You lay down everything, your time, your schedule. I don't know how many times I've come home. It's late. I've had a 12, 13-hour day of just doing life and office work. And then I'm home, and my kids are so excited to see me. And I'm so tired. I didn't have coffee that day. But I literally lay down my time and energy so that I can spend time with them. It's the joy of my life. And so spiritual fathers and mothers have to be prepared to lay down their time, their schedule, their finances even for spiritual children, the people that God's calling you to invest in. It's powerful. Letter D, fathers and mothers are examples to imitate. The lifestyle that Paul lived was one worth imitating. He walked in righteousness and modeled wholehearted devotion to Christ. Godly mothers and fathers are a good example to these children, to their children. So that's an important thing. The way that we live, especially when no one's watching, when we're not on the platform, the way that we do mundane life it actually impacts our children. And again, having natural children, I've learned this in some, some challenging ways. My kids are constantly watching what I'm doing and they're imitating me. They're saying the things that I say. They're doing the things that I do. They're interacting with people the way that I interact with people. They're, they're doing, literally doing things just because I do them in a certain way. And so what I want you to know this is something that I've thought about a lot over the past few years is that one, not a lot of people actually care about your opinion, but more people care than you realize. <laughs> and it impacts more people than you realize. And so I want you to know the things that you say, the things that you do, they, people are watching and they are ready to imitate, especially the younger Christians that God has given you influence over. They're watching and ready to imitate. So be wise. Be wise in the way that you do things. Letter E, fathers and mothers instruct and impart. This is so powerful. Elijah and Elisha. That, I mean, the story with these two guys is, is a model for spiritual parenthood. Elijah functioned as a spiritual father for Elisha. He helped instruct Elisha as a prophet and imparted a double portion to him. Fathers and mothers must instruct, train, and impart wisdom to their kids. That is a calling for us as spiritual fathers and mothers. We don't just get to be everybody's best friend. We have a mandate to instruct. If I, it, it means nothing to me if my, if my son just loves me because I hang out with him and play the games he likes, but I never teach him to tie his shoes or never teach him to use the restroom. <laughs> like I'm doing him a disservice if I just want him to like me. I'm actually called to instruct him in things and to do it in a loving way that's effective. It doesn't just mean that we just get to sit on a, a stool in front of a bunch of people and tell them what we think about the Bible. It means I've got to model it. I've got to have history with it. I've got to have these verses studied out. And I've got to be there for them when they fall and when they mess up. Which brings us to letter F. Fathers and mothers have hearts that embrace. They embrace first. Embrace first. The father had every right to reject his prodigal son and harshly rebuke him. Let's pause and look at Deuteronomy 18. It says, If any person has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father or his mother, and when they discipline him, he does not listen to them, then his father and mother shall seize him and, page two, bring him out to the elders of his city at the gateway of his hometown 
in verse 20, and they shall say to the elders of his city, the son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He does not obey us. He is thoughtless and given to drinking. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death. So you shall eliminate the evil from your midst and all Israel will hear about it and fear. So that's what was supposed to happen to the prodigal son. And let's go back to the, the paragraph here. He had every right to reject him. However, the power in the story is what the father does. His first response is to sprint out to him and embrace him, put a robe on him, mark him again as his son, put a ring on his finger and say, no, you're mine and you will not be stoned. They, he embraced first. Most of us will see, I mean, and I've, it's really hard when you've got friends and people in your community where they're, you know, engaging in things. They're like not going prodigal, but they're, you know, they're doing things they shouldn't do. And you want to call them out. And you want to correct. And I, the, I, I talk about politics often at this Bible study. I don't know why, but always I look at political leaders and my, my first instinct is I need to voice my opinion and correct them. Cause I just know everything about politics. Right. But that's always the urge in me instead of embracing like, Oh wait, that's actually a human. That person who's messed up and who's made a mistake, that's, that's actually a human that I, I'm called to embrace and I'm called to love first. So that's the power of the prodigal son. Our first response as fathers and mothers should be to embrace our children first. Letter G, fathers and mothers lovingly and gracefully discipline. So discipline is a part of it. Discipline is an important part of godly parenting. Now, that doesn't mean we spank the people that God has given us influence over. Like, you're in trouble, you sit on timeout, you get a spanking and all that. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about with discipline. I think when I talk about teaching, teaching a younger believer how to be disciplined, I think you help them build a fence around their lives of righteousness. You teach them the boundary lines and the border lines. That's your responsibility. And when they wander outside of those border lines, you just grab them, put them back in and say, that's okay. Don't jump over that fence again. Don't touch the electric fence again so that you don't get shocked. All right. It's about picking them up, putting them back in, embracing them and calling them to the standard that, that God has called them to. Letter H, this one's important. Beyond saving up an earthly inheritance for their children, fathers and mothers should save up gold refined in the fire and wisdom for their children. Purity and wisdom are a valuable inheritance that we can store up for our children. I've met the people where their grandparents and their, their parents have saved up so much money for them. What a blessing that is. But imagine if right now you started saving up gold refined in the fire. You start saving up a lifestyle of righteousness, patterns of righteousness in your home, patterns of, of right living, good decisions, the, the stuff, putting aside the worthless things, if that's what your home looks like, if that's what your daily schedule looks like, imagine what those who God has called you to have influence over, imagine how easy it will be for them to springboard. It's like giving somebody a, a billion dollar inheritance. They can almost do anything. They can start anything. They can start a business and fail and mess up and all this kind of stuff. Imagine if you store all this up for the ones that God has given you influence over. Imagine how high they can soar. It's an important part of being a spiritual father and mother. All right. Amen. Roman numeral two, storing up spiritual insight. So if fathers and mothers store up riches, if they store up gold refined in the fire, I think the other part is storing up spiritual insight or skill to understand. Letter A, David's, or Daniel's prophetic ministry was the result of a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. 
In Daniel 9, while Daniel is fasting in an intercession, Gabriel brings Daniel insight with understanding, or the NKJV, for those of you who like that, says skill to understand, which I really like that phrase. <laughs> Immediately after that, Gabriel gives Daniel the 70 weeks prophecy, which is, you need some skill to understand that, right? When you read that, it's intense. Which is one of the most important scriptures for you and I today related to discerning the urgency of the hour. Letter B, the Hebrew word, I'm into definitions. John, you've got me into definitions, man. You really got me going. The Hebrew word translated to give insights or give skill is sakal, if that's how you say it. I don't know how to pronounce the things. I just know how to spell them. So sakal means to wisely understand, to be prudent, or circumspect. So to have that type of skill to understand, that type of wisdom means we have a high regard for the future and we're motivated with resolve and intent to rightly approach circumstances before us and yet to come. That's an important thing for you and I to store up right here and right now, not for our own sake, but for our spiritual children. My one-year-old, my two-year-old, who's crying in the other room right now, has no care in the world about what's, about, what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. But she has an important role to play in those type of world conflicts in a decade, two decades, as an intercessor, as one who will spend her life crying out for those things. And I believe that me right now investing in skill to understand, me investing in not just the watching the news and getting all the facts right, but me praying into it and getting his perspective actually does something for the generation that's coming behind me. And I don't even feel that old. It's not like there's a lot behind me. I'm just, I'm 28 years old, man. I'm still a young people. So I'm, 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 I'm part of the young generation and people are, have stored up for me, but know that I'm, I'm intent on storing up skill to understand. I, I grew up not really understanding the end times and my parents weren't like super into those things. And, but I'm so excited that this is what I do now. I study the end times. I study the Bible and it's going to be so easy for me to have conversations with my kids and get them excited about what God is doing and doing in their midst, bringing definition to what they'll see on a daily basis. And you can do that for the people who God's giving you influence over. Important for us to do, to store that up. Letter C in Colossians 1. You guys know that one, right? Colossians 1, 9 through 11. That's a familiar one for this group of people. Paul calls this type of skill to understand spiritual wisdom and understanding or insight. I love that. If you're into the definitions and the words, the Septuagint uses the same word there for insight as it does in Daniel 9 and Daniel 11 for skill to understand. So I, I just like that. And he further says that spiritual wisdom and understanding are what lead us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. It's actually a requirement to walk in the man, a manner worthy of the Lord. It takes spiritual insight and understanding. It's a big deal. Okay, our lives become like a pleasing fragrance to him as we bear fruit in the works of God and increase in intimacy with him. So simply put, that was a big statement, simply put, skillful insight enables us to walk confidently in our eternal purpose in this current age. That's a really big deal. Eternal purpose. I'm talking billions of years from now. You and I can start to walk in that and influence people with confidence. With confidence. As a, as a father, a new father, I also remember being in the hospital, not knowing how to hold a baby and realizing, oh man, 
I'm going to have a baby in the next hour or so. <laughs> I should probably YouTube how to look up a baby. And I had no confidence. I, it actually took me, I think my mom held my son before I held him. My grandma did because I was terrified to hold my own child. And then finally I did and got confidence. But by the time Sayla came around, I had so much confidence as a father. I can hold this baby. So I was one of the first to hold her and it was really exciting. But it's that type of confidence that that you can have when you've got understanding, when you've got, when you've got the Lord's heart, that you can have that type of confidence when it comes to instructing and caring for those that he's put in your midst. All right, letter D. Without spiritual understanding, we lack vision for the hour we live in. And this is important. We lack vision for the hour we live in and the significance of our role in that hour. And as a result, we wander aimlessly. Without God's grace and skill to understand... We might find ourselves on the wrong side of the Psalm 2 crisis. Have you ever thought about that? Without skill to understand, I lack vision. There's the Proverbs 29 verse, where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained. They're casting off restraint because they don't have any. And we might find ourselves on the wrong side of the Psalm 2 crisis where we're casting the restraint of God's ways, casting off the restraint of God's ways. And David's prescription for the Psalm 2 crisis he also uses that word, Sakal. Love that word, man. And he instructs the kings of the earth to be wise or to use that same skillful insights that Daniel's talking about. The same skillful insight so that they won't be caught up in the rage, so that they might repent from the restless rage. So it's so significant. You guys know Psalm 2. That's, that's, that's IHOP's verse. So that's, that's their psalm. They, they own it. And I just believe that it's so relevant. And Mike, of course, he's been talking about that a lot. Talk about Psalm 2. He tells other leaders, hey, you should talk about Psalm 2 a lot. So we do around here because it's important. But I, I think it's so important that David's prescription is to say, hey, be wise. Use insight. Store up insight. Get wisdom so that you're not caught up in the rage. It's so easy for us to get caught up in the rage. Dave and I were just talking about how everyone's kind of got to have their opinion and they've got to broadcast it on TikTok and Facebook and everywhere about everything. Like everyone in the last week and a half I've seen has, they, they've got an opinion about Will Smith and Chris Rock. And I'm like, okay, like, that's great. You can have your opinion and, and they're just broadcasting it and they're fighting. And it's, it, you can see the restless rage being stirred up. What happens when that restless rage goes from, from condemning a celebrity to condemning the Son of God? Wow. And the way to avoid that, the way to abstain from that is to store up insight. Yes. It's the Colossians 1. We need skill to understand. We need the knowledge of your heart. Yeah. It's vastly important for you and I to not get caught up in that stuff. Not, I'm not saying live in a rock. I don't live in a rock. I got a TV. I watch the news sometimes. I... I I scroll on Facebook. I'm not saying live under a rock. I'm saying don't get caught up in the rage. Don't get caught up in the restlessness. Use insight. All right, Roman numeral three. We're getting to the end here. Letter A. At the end of the age, we will be a fully mature bride that has made herself ready, not clinging to her own life in the midst of unprecedented shaking and persecution. She will be fiercely faithful to the one she loves because she knows him and she knows who she is. She will be strong take action, and fulfill her end-time role. The praying church will have insights and instruct many in the most extraordinary time in history. That's your calling, yes. to instruct many 
in the most extraordinary time in history. I love these verses. I think about these verses every day. Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. We've got to get from the Song of Solomon 1, 5 bride that is dark and consumed with her darkness and self-consumed. We've got to get from there to the Revelation 12 bride that does not love her life even to the point of death. We've got to get over those things and be focused on one man. I love Daniel 11. But the people who know their God will be strong and take action, and those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many. Yet they will fall by the sword and by the flame, by captivity and by plunder for many days. Let her be God. Currently, God is raising up the church to operate in the spirit and the power of Elijah. The hearts of both natural and spiritual fathers will be turned to their sons and the sons back to the fathers. The spirit of Elijah will take the church from functioning as an organization to functioning as a family. So this is really my main point tonight. You're called to function as a spiritual father so that we can together function as the Revelation 12 bride, so that we can be the Daniel 11 ones being strong, taking action, using insight, and instructing many. And the many, you don't even realize. I, I'm, I'm saying we started a Bible study in January, and it's 12 of us mostly. Some weeks it's five of us. But that, that impact, the conversations that Pastor Jay is having with people are a direct result of what's happening in our Bible study, what John is teaching on in his Bible study on Wednesday nights. Like it's making an impact in our city just from us getting together to talk about some verses in the Bible. And so I'm saying those conversations that you have with people that seem irrelevant, that seem mundane, they actually make a, a huge impact more than we ever know. Let her see one of the most important things we can do in this hour as both natural and spiritual fathers and mothers is to parent well. Your impact on the one or two that God has called you to disciple, mentor, train is more significant than we often realize. We often think that our greatest influence is when God finally gives us the right job or finally gives us the platform or finally it's my opportunity to preach. Finally, it's my opportunity to prayer lead or worship lead, whatever. Finally, here we go. We're going to unload and unleash. But really, it's in the mundane conversations. It's in the daily, you're having a conversation. You're having a coffee with somebody. You're making an impact at the heart level. In light of the current shaking, in the coming end time shaking, we must be fathers and mothers that parent with spiritual wisdom and skillful insight. That's my admonition to us tonight, that we would be those spiritual fathers and mothers that parent with skillful insight. And so I want to pray this over us as we move into our discussion time tonight. First John chapter 2, 15 to 18. I just want you to meditate on this verse for over the next even few months, take it, read it on, on a regular basis, pray it. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. Verse 18, children... It is the last hour, and just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many, many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. 
I'm saying to you tonight that it is the last hour. And I want you to find Paul's heart or John's heart behind that last verse. Children, it's the last hour. I want you to feel the emotions he was feeling when writing that. I want you to actually unpack that over the next few months. What is he saying? How's he feeling? And how do I translate that to the one or two that God's put around me? How do I translate that to the person who works next to me that I don't even know if they're a believer? How do I translate that heart cry? How do I translate that to the, the, that lady at church who I just try to avoid because she scares me? How do I translate that to her? I'm not talking about anybody in here. I'm just saying. All right, let me pray that. Lord, the hour is near. I'm asking you to instruct your children in this room to remind us of the urgency of the hour that we live in and the significance of our role. We ask you for the spirit of Elijah among these ones, that the hearts of the fathers, the hearts of the mothers would be turned toward the hearts of the children. God, both in the natural, but also in in the spiritual sense. Those who've been walking with you for decades, I ask you to turn their hearts to the baby Christians, to the ones who are getting saved this year, this week, the ones who are getting saved In the next few weeks, I'm asking you, Lord, for ones that would mentor, disciple, love, embrace first, that would instruct with skillful insight. I'm asking you for that urgency in our spirits that would draw us to pursue skillful insights. So we keep asking you, we keep asking you, God, for the knowledge of your will. We keep pressing in for the knowledge of your heart, for the, for, for the intimate understanding, the experiential understanding of your will and your ways. God, would you give us spiritual wisdom and insight so that we might walk in a manner that's worthy of you, so that we might walk in a manner that's worthy of you in the last days, walk in a manner in the midst of persecution, in the midst of every shaking that might come. We want to walk worthy and bear much fruit while we increase in the experiential knowledge of God. I ask you, Lord, every believer in this room, strengthen us according to your glorious riches. Strengthen us with might. Strengthen us with joy. Would you mount us up on wings like eagles to soar and to cover more ground in this season? As spiritual fathers and mothers, would we take inventory of our lives, of the decisions we make? We want to please you, be fully pleasing to you, and walk worthy of you. God, give us insight. Help us to parent well. You're a good father. You're a really good father. So I ask you, help us to be good fathers and good mothers. In the name of Jesus, amen.